Today, I'm going to be doing part 17 of our series. I promise you it is going to end before the end of the year. It's the seven walks that shape Ephesians, and we're going to look at walk number five, which is walk in the light. And um, I'm going to have uh, as my outline today, and first of all, I'm going to look, have a closer look at the seven walks, which are like signposts that go through and structure the book of Ephesians. That's not on your handout. Um, the second thing is I'm going to look at this passage, Walk in the Light, and what this means, and we're going to end up with the song in verse 14. So uh, I, I, I'm going to summarize my sermon today in seven words. Live your identity, walk in the light. Live your identity, walk in the light. Do you think you can remember that? Okay, I'm going to test you at the end, okay? So the first thing I'm going to do is have a closer look at these markers that go through. And if we're looking at how the book fits together, these are very helpful. How many chapters in Ephesians? Six. How many of them are the foundation and how many of them are we live from the foundation. Three and three, that's right. So of these seven signposts, these, these walk signposts, we have two of them in the beginning, which are like the foundational signposts. In chapter two, we have a walks one and two, which are the foundation of our identity. And basically it goes something like this. You once walked in sin and death. Then there's God's incredible love. You are now a new creation, and so there's a new walk. So this is like the, the starting point. That's how it's all going to branch from. You once walked, you now walk. And the turning point is this new walk, this, this, sorry, this incredible love. And the second half of Ephesians builds on this foundation. All the other works are built on this. Ephesians is all about our identity, and this foundation is so important that we have in front of us here that I want to actually just read through some of these verses right now because they are so powerful. So uh, this is in chapter 2. You were dead, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the system of this world, to the ruler of the power of the air. And he goes on describing how you once walked. And then we have this key event that comes in the middle. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. And this changes everything. And now, instead of all these onces that I've got listed in green there, the once walked, we now have made alive with Christ raised up together, seated with him, and we have the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness, and it goes on and it ends up with, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. So do you see that, how powerful that is a foundation? You once walked, God's incredible love came down and changed everything, and now you have a new walk. And I wanted to show you that again because that is the foundation that today's walk is going to be built on. So let's go back to today's. Um, these then are the seven walks. Um, that's the first two of these walks. 
And now we're going to look at walk three. So as it goes into the second of Ephesians, as we go, as we move into chapter four, Paul inspires us for a new model for the church. And this is like inspirational for a new way of walking. And he says, there's an incredible goal that Christ calls us into. Walk worthy of the calling you've been called into. So this third walk is like a motivation of excitement about what is coming up with us. And then uh, we have, until we attain, and we've got this motivation to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. This extraordinary plan God has. And we talked about how you know, we hope to see this in our lifetime. It's possible. One mature adult, instead of the church being immature, coming to maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so he uses these, this description of the, the exciting possibility that the church can move into as a motivation for walk three. This is the calling we've been called into. And then the, the remaining four walks, I've managed to get all onto one slide because they're all about how this works out. Live out of your new identity in four different ways. And so chapter four starts off, verse 17, you must no longer walk. Take off the old self belonging to your former behavior. Be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God. So that's the old, that's no longer walking. And as a, on the basis of that, that's the new identity. Walk in love, which we did last week. Walk in the light, which is this week, and then walk with care and wisdom, which is coming. So just to try and summarize what's happening with this, Paul uses the word walk as a tool to lay out his book. We start with the foundations of what God has done to take us from the old to the new by showing us his love and giving us a new identity. Then we have a new, a new community for the church, a new vision and we're called, yeah, walk in this new vision. And then we have four ways of putting this into practice that are very practical. Now, the last one, number seven, isn't the end of the book. There's actually quite a large section after that where there's things like spiritual warfare and how it works out in our lives. But this is the principle for this last one. It's kind of quite a long one. Um, so just because we've got to walk six today doesn't mean to say we're going to finish it off in one more week. So that's where we've been, and this is where we're going. And we are fitting the whole of Ephesians together using this word, which is what Paul seems to be doing. So that was my first point today, a closer look at the seven walks that shape Ephesians. Now, the meat of what we're doing today is what you have on your handout, Walk in the Light, which is this, this amazing section uh, in chapter 5. And then we're going to end up by looking at the song in verse 14. So let's have a look then at this passage that we are going to be looking at today. All right, so I'm going to read this through and then we'll talk about it. Therefore, do not become fellow sharers with them. Now, I've included that, but that really belongs to the previous passage. And but we've got it in there for continuity. But it's talking about basically sexual immorality and all the stuff that's going on. And so he, he, I'm just concluding that. And that's important because it 
gives a reference point for the darkness in verse 8. So here we go. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now this is the key line stands over the whole thing. Notice he doesn't say, um, uh, you know, you've got to try and be light. You know, try and work hard to be light. You know, it's not good to be darkness. You've got to be. No, he says, you were darkness, you are light. This is your identity that's changed. And because you are light, verse 8 goes on to say, walk as children of light. So by children of light, we're children of the heavenly father who is light. So we're his children carrying his DNA. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And I'll look at that in a moment. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what it means to walk in the light. But the other half of this command is not to walk in the darkness. And he puts it like this, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And that contrasts to the fruit here, fruit of the light. And I've just color-coded that purple there, unfruitful works of darkness. So he's matching those up with one another. But instead, expose them, for the things done in secret by them are shameful even to mention. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes illuminated. Or anything that becomes illuminated is light. So I put those in, in, in bold because these are like three commands. The first one is to walk. The second is to take no part. And the third one is but to expose the darkness. And we're going to look at that in a minute, what that actually means. And then we end up with this, uh, this song here, Awake, O Sleeper. And rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I'll be talking about that in our last part. So, these, uh, this statement here, uh, walking as children of the light, summarized good, whatever is good and right and true. What does it mean to be good and right and true? And I'm going to, to go back and have a little look at that. Good and right and true, what that means. This is copying Father, the Father. So here's some, some verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. What does it mean to be good? Well, God is good, and goodness is just his grace, and like just good things that he gives, good gifts, good blessings. God is good. If there's anything about any single word to describe him, God is good. It's the opposite to being evil. Seek after like the goodness to be good like God. And part of his goodness is his love endures forever. He will never let go of those he set his love on. And that's part of what we're to copy as we're good. So what does it mean then that what is right? Well, Deuteronomy 32 says, A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Righteousness, really, the word... To be right, whatever is right really means what is faithful, whether we're being faithful to commitments, we're being faithful to people, whether we're somebody who's, who can be just totally trusted because we are loyal. And it's got that idea of, of just being completely loyal. And those who are faithful to God, those who are righteous, are those who are loyal to God. So God is described as this, this faithful God. And then the last of the verses was truth. 
And this is about how we speak and whether we're truthful, whether we, 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 we can be trusted, we're reliable, and we, we can speak in this way. So those are the, 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 the three, um, the, those three words. Now, what I'd like to do when we get to the, uh, the, the, the meat of this passage, we saw there are three things that we're told to do. We're told to, to walk in the light. We're told that we are not to walk in darkness, and we're told we're to expose the fruit of darkness. And I, I found um, one of the, the people I was reading on this, uh, a man called Clinton Arnold, what he wrote, I thought, just captured it so well. I thought, well, why, why, do you try and, why are you going to try and reword it, Andrew? Why not just allow him to speak? So here is a, a Ephesians by Clinton Arnold and what he says. Believers must make a concerted effort, and these are the three things, um, to eliminate every form of sexual immorality from their lives. I'm sorry, this is taking it from the previous, from last week's passage. He's just expanding on last week's passage. Last time we talked about the, the uh, ways in which we were not to walk following the world. We were to walk in love. And the fake love, the three fake loves, three things that destroyed love were sexual immorality, um, financial misdoings, and, and, um, and crude talking. And so he says, um, these are the three areas of moral development that Paul focuses on in this section of the letter. So let's move on to this week. They are relevant to Gentiles coming to Christ from anywhere in the Roman world. One does not need to read long in the Roman writers of that era, e.g., Suetonius's biographies of the 12 Caesars from Julius Caesar to Domitian to see how these were lifestyle problems in every strata of ancient society. I'm writing this in a city that is less than 30 miles away from Hollywood, California. I cannot think of three exhortations that could be given to the contemporary church of Southern California and perhaps the entirety of the USA and beyond that could possibly be more relevant than these. The influence of the media, from movies to sitcoms to talk shows, has profoundly impacted the practices of believers in each of these areas. So I quoted this guy, I thought this is very interesting. It's just as relevant in our day as in Paul's day that we have this darkness around us, which is, which is um, shown in all these different ways. So uh, let's just move on. Um, let's, this is, uh, these are the... Three things that he says, take no part in fruitful works of darkness. The first one was to walk in the light, not in the darkness, but instead expose them. And this, uh, this, uh, these three things we can, we can uh, expand. And I'm going to quote Clinton Arnold again. The first is our new identity, walking in the light. Believers are no longer to regard themselves as dark and depraved people, but as possessors of an entirely new nature. They are light. This new identity is predicated on their union with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, you are light in the Lord, it said back in verse 5, verse 8. Here and throughout the letter, Paul knows the crucial connection between how believers think about themselves and how they behave. So this is, he's really summed that up so well. 
It's how we think of ourselves. We consider ourselves as the light, as connected to the Father of lights, as connected to, to Jesus, who is light. And we have that as our identity. It will change how we live our lives. So the first thing in, in the, the, that, those sets of three commands is walk as light. Walk as light. The second one was not walking as darkness. And we have our new identity in Christ demands that we renounce these practices and develop lifestyles that are consistent with those who we know are in the Lord. So working through this identity into our lifestyles, although Christians are not called to isolate themselves from the world, they're called to live differently from their non-Christian friends and acquaintances. Now, this is really important because some groups of Christians through the ages have thought the answer was to completely withdraw from society and to kind of live live in an isolated community where it's just them and they and they're not, you know. But the, Jesus didn't say that. He said, live in the world but not of it. In other words, you are there, but you're not taking on their characteristics. And so this is crucially important here. So these new lifestyles, which is not walking in darkness. And the third one that he has is being a light ourselves. He says, Clinton says, helping fellow believers. He says, we're responsible for helping fellow believers get rid of sinful and inappropriate practices. Now, here is a, here's a two points we can go. And people writing on this go one way or the other. So is Paul talking about being a light within the Christian community, so that if Christians are falling into sin, we kind of can shine light and we can, we can encourage them um, to come out of that, or we can expose things that are corrupt in the Christian community. Is he talking about that, or is he talking about actually the whole world? Uh, what do you think about that? Which is it called to? Do we have a whole world? Anybody want to agree with that? Both? Okay. Well, I tell you what, the argument for it being the community, Christian community, is all the other things here that we have, at least most of them in Ephesians, are about how we live with one another to, to grow this community. And so if you're taking it strictly in context, then that's what you have to understand it as, that it's about how we, um, how we walk with one another. We walk as light and shine light on them. But I agree with the people who shouted out both because there are so many other references in the scripture to light being what we should be. Can you think of any other times when you know, we're described as light? You're children of the light, yes. Um, any other commands to be light, yeah? Yes, Jesus says you're the light of the world. Don't hand your light under a basket. So that there is not the Christian community, it's the world. And so I'm going to argue that this, this here is not just about um, being light in, uh, in the Christian community. It's the whole world. And just to give you um, uh, the place, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, this is quite interesting. This is quite interesting because if we look back at the passage, um, 
we see that in this passage, um, it describes not just exposing them, but it talks about the effect of that. Those things done in secret by them are shameful even to mention, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes illuminated, for anything that becomes illuminated is light. So um, I was talking to somebody who just in their home, they opened a cupboard door, and when the light came on, all these little crawly things all ran away. So the light exposed them. And this is the image here that all the crawly stuff hides because it doesn't like the light. And you know, you have, we have people who are whistleblowers when they, they, they say, this is stuff is going on in my office or in my industry. And this is so important because uh, the light is what exposed them. I heard recently about a, um, uh, a, uh, an official in a, in a country where he could get away with whatever he wanted to do. And he was very abusive towards women until somebody captured it on camera and video and then uploaded it to social media and then he had to be dealt with and his the, because the light shone on it and it became evident what he was doing and it was dealt with and so uh i think that christians are called to be exposers of the darkness in our workplace in our families in in society i think we're called to do that that might get us into trouble, but I think we are called to do that. But there's an encouragement here because uh, the light doesn't just expose the darkness, but actually can bring light to the people it's, it, 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 uh, it comes to. And this is what Jesus was saying in Be the Light of the World, because it's not just a negative quality that our light has. It can have a positive quality as we walk in the light, as we show people how we can live. Maybe we do some, some sacrificial act for somebody. We really, really, really help them. And other people see it, and that's light to them. And they say, oh, Look at what that person did. And they see the light of God, of the love of God, reflected through us. So I think that this is both in the church and outside of the church, but it's not to be taken just negatively. It's to be taken positively as well, that in our workplaces, in our homes, in our, in our social situations, we need to be a positive light that can bring this, um, this light of God to the world. So... That's the, that's the passage, and I'm now going to come to the last part of the message, which is looking at the song in verse 14. Now, if you look at this song, actually, I should, um, I should have gone back and actually read it together. There we go. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, we're going to be singing this together in a minute. It starts off, but just before that box there, in verse 14, therefore it says. Now, therefore it says, those precise Greek words are used of a quotation. It's like saying, I'm quoting now, dot, dot, dot. And almost always, it's an Old Testament quotation. And people have said, well, where is he quoting from in the Old Testament? And you cannot find anywhere in the Old Testament that this is quoted from. You can find things that are kind of similar ideas, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But you can't find those. And so... Almost everybody agrees, almost every scholar who studies this passage agrees that this is quoting from something they all knew that would be a song that they sang. 
And so we're quoting from an early Christian song, which is so exciting because we don't have many. We've got maybe half a dozen in the, in the New Testament. And this is one of them. And, and uh, this is a song that they would have sung. But this song was inspired by the, the writings, particularly in the book of Isaiah. So what I'd like to do is to look at uh, some of these inspirational places, because I want to get you excited about this song. And because this really is like the, the heart of this passage today. Isaiah 9.2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. And this is quoted in the New Testament as Jesus beginning his ministry. He shines a light and they were walking in darkness and now the light of Jesus has come. And then later on, Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is the closest to the actual song. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and thickened darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Now, as you're reading this, I want you to take this as words spoken to you. If you're a Christian, take this as being spoken of you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. Raise your eyes and look around. They all gather and come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters on the hips of nursing mothers. Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will tremble and rejoice. And then it goes on. I'm going to pick it up in verse 18. Violence will never again be heard of in your land. Devastation and destruction will be gone from your borders. You will call your walls salvation and your city gates praise. The sun will no longer be your light by day and brightness of the moon will not shine on you. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. So this has kind of got echoes of heaven. But I don't think this is limited to heaven. I think this is what we experience in our inner world now and the, the, the blessings that are here. Your sun will no longer set, your moon will not fade, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. The days of your sorrow shall be ended. I want to say that light, in these scriptures, light is a person. Light is not just this physical entity spreading out. And when we're talking about shine on me, the light is shining on me, I want you to think of the smile of Jesus Christ shining on you. I want you to think of the light of his love upon you. And, and as we sing the song together, uh, waking up to that light of Jesus' love looking on you. You know, you, you know when, when um, uh, a parent looks at a child and they look at the baby and they just look into their eyes and there's this love that's beaming down. This is how the Lord is looking on you. He's looking with this light of love as he's pouring it into you. Uh, I'm going to just put a couple of, of uh, verses from the New Testament give us the same idea. John 8. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? 
This is my, my pinnacle verse to, as we were drawing to a close to try and capture what we're talking about in this. It's the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus that's the light that's shining on you. How can that not transform you into somebody that gives light elsewhere? So walking in your new identity is waking up to this, but also receiving so that you can give out. Receiving this light so you can be giving out. So now's when I test you on my seven-word summary. Yeah, you're, you're pretty much there. Yeah, you pretty much live your identity, walk in the light. Yay, well done. Live your identity, walk in the light. And what we're going to do is to sing the song now. And uh, when it says, uh, awake you sleeper, arise from the dead, I don't, don't take that as something that, oh, oh, I'm, you know, I'm dead, I need to. no. This is about um, waking up. You're, you may be, you're not actually dead, but you're not living your life. And wake up to who you are. Wake up to this new identity. Wake up. Stop behaving like you're dead. Wake up to the life that you have, and God's light will shine on you. So we're going to be singing this now, and here's the song. So um, let's stand, shall we? And we'll sing this together. So let's just pray now, and we'll pray this, uh, this prayer of our identity. Lord, we thank you that if we are following Jesus, if, we, if he is our saviour, then we are light. Lord, we pray that you will help us in this coming week just to consider ourselves, think of ourselves, as being light. Help us, Lord, to awake out of slumber, think of ourselves as light, and live according to that. Lord, may we be light in beautiful actions and behaviors that are just like you. May we be light in not wanting to do things of the darkness, and may we be light as shining on others so they will see the beauty of your light and the darkness will disappear. Lord, help each one of us to grasp this concept deep in our hearts and may it transform us. Lord, shine your light on us now and may we walk in it. Amen.